Did you know Bridgestone developed a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials? Making a difference today for future generations. That's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. I'm reminded of the photo that Jason Garrett took, the one where I look like your ventriloquist dummy. And I'm positioned just like I would be if I was Charlie McCarthy to your Edgar Bergen. That's the first one that came to mind. Right. I don't know who the f*** that is or who the f*** the other guy was. It sounds good. Anyway, I look like your ventriloquist dummy. So basically, you know, I say the score... Your lips aren't moving. I like the Chiefs 23 to 17. All right, well done. Well done. That was good. You're a, I'm, I'm a good ventriloquist. Like- I'm good at that, man. I am. It is hilarious, yeah. that picture. It yeah. does oh, set up that way. It does. Fortunately, fortunately, the dummy ignored the ventriloquist last week when the ventriloquist was trying to get the dummy to say the Browns were going to beat the Texans. Fortunately, fortunately, <laughs> I, I had a mind of my own. What are the names of these two right here? Uh, what are, what's the names again? Edgar Bergen. Edgar? Charlie McCarthy. Okay. You didn't, you didn't give me a monocle. Charlie McCarthy has a monocle. Charlie McCarthy is very fancy. So, so what about like? Do you remember watching these two as young? Like, I, I've seen pictures of them before, but like that even seems a little before your generation. Am I wrong about that? Like, was that around when you were growing up as a kid? It was, and Edgar Bergen was getting very close to the end of the line, and he would be on shows, and. I found a clip of Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy later in Edgar Bergen's career, and he didn't quite have the same skill set as I assume he had earlier because you could see his mouth moving and, you know, you could see like the portions of his face that were making it clear that he was talking right when Charlie McCarthy was supposed to be. So, but yeah, he was around, he was around. I don't know how long he lived, but I remember him in the seventies, he was still doing his thing. And uh, father of, of Candace Bergen, as I think I told you last week. You did, right. When, that was uh, a nice little note there. Now, it's funny. When did that be? You know, that was we, like a cool thing for a while. And like good in comedy and people loved it. But somewhere in my lifetime, it hit like 
that stuff's spooky and weird. Why do you have some fake person sitting on your knee, right? That it is like where where it lost its 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 coolness, whatever. It became out of fashion, whatever. Uh, but somewhere along the line in my life, it became like a little creepy almost. Uh, that whole show. Isn't Jeff Dunham like the only ventriloquist that's been around in the past fifteen? I feel like that's the only one I know of. Yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't have been able to call his name, but once you said it, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. He does do some of that. Edgar Bergen died in 1978 at the age of 75. And back in the 60s and 70s, people looked a lot older than they were. Like, I would have pegged him at mid-80s when he was probably late 60s. (laughs) So I don't know if it was a lot of alcohol, a lot of tobacco. I don't know what it was, but people just looked a lot older than they were back in those days. Maybe they were just living a lot harder than they are now. Not that they aren't living all that hard now, especially after the things that have happened in the world the past few years, but I digress. Anyway, uh, and and I made sure that I didn't look like your ventriloquist dummy when Jason Garrett did the team selfie this past week. However, for some reason, I I like hunched down a little bit as I'm standing next to the Jolly Green Giant, like, why am I making myself look even shorter standing next to this guy who's 6'5"? That, it's like, <laughs> what's wrong with me? I should be on my toes. I should be doing the Rodney Harrison I don't know. The whole thing. Ronaldo The whole thing's thing hilarious. You get on your toes. We, Jason Garrett takes it so serious. He wants just the right lighting, just the right picture. We do it every week. Like, he's some social media darling who's like putting out his life and like this stuff goes nowhere it just goes into his phone he did but he got he likes to take a picture every week he's always like come on come on like it's important for his like instagram story or something and then it just gets saved in his phone right he's just he's mr uh mr selfie that's what we call him he's an expert at it right now (laughs) and sometimes he texts it to us and sometimes yeah sometimes he doesn't right (laughs) right (laughs) but rarely if ever do they even show up all right Uh, Jason Garrett, and I guess there's a link here. Jason Garrett wants the coach of the Dallas Cowboys, his successor, Mike McCarthy. We got the news last night. The team announced McCarthy is staying. Mike McCarthy's staying as the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Now, my very unscientific studies on social media indicate that Cowboys fans are not thrilled, to say the least, with this development that Mike McCarthy is staying. And it was very surprising when you consider what Jerry Jones said a week before the playoff embarrassment. We'll take it one game at a time or whatever he said, whatever the precise quote was yeah, shared by something Clarence along Hill those lines, Four star telegram right. that they never did a very good job of taking a fire hose to and saying, no, 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 no. I never said that. Never said that Mike McCarthy's safe no matter what. And th- that's what's so weird about this, Chris, because this outcome implies that all along Mike McCarthy was safe no matter what. How do you lose the way they lost and have the pre-existing truth be anything other than Mike McCarthy is safe no matter what? And if that's the case, why didn't they say it at a time when people were interpreting Jerry Jones' comment as having him on the hot seat for 
the wild card game. Yeah, that's what makes no sense about yeah, well, this. Of course, that's what bothered all, all me last week. All signs were pointing. Right. All signs are pointing to this guy being on the hot seat. Oh no, it's fine. Give up forty-eight points to the Packers. Get embarrassed at home by the seventh seed. Have your sixteen-game home losing streak snap. Look like you didn't mind your P's and Q's and self-scout yourself and scout the Packers and try to get ahead of where the trends were. You just relied on everything we've done all year long, and it blew up in your face. We're fine with that because you've gone 12 and 5 each of the last three regular seasons, never mind the fact that you're 1 and 3 in the postseason. That's what's weird about this. I hear you. Everything was pointing right. to this guy's out, and then all of a sudden they throw the curveball, and this guy's in. At a minimum, this was a horrendous exercise in PR and expectation management by the Cowboys. Yeah, uh, I, I, I hear. Who knows what they were thinking behind the scenes? Again, I mean, we know it's it's. You know, one family that's got all the control here and they do as they please and they talk it out and they figure it out and whatever. Right. I mean, again, it is confusing. The message is confusing. It's confusing to the team. You know, it would be confusing to everybody else in the organization. Right. You know, I said last week I I did not like uh, Jerry Jones. It's part of that loss, part of that L. That's on him. There's no doubt, in my opinion, you took away the authority, the ability to lead a little bit in the biggest week of the year of your coach by going, eh, we'll evaluate week to week. You know, doesn't do that good this week. He's out of here. And again, you know, those are distractions and guys in the locker room hear that and they're whispering and talking about it like as they're getting ready for the Green Bay Packers. Hey, I mean, is our head coach, are they really talking they might fire him? Is Jerry going to fire him after this week? I mean, those are not the conversations you want leading up to a big time wild card football game. So that's on Jerry there. And then to keep him, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I I guess I would have been a little bit surprised either way. I didn't know what to expect here in Dallas. I really didn't. Uh, We've seen Jerry Jones in his past. He's he's pretty patient with the coaches that he has for the most part. And and he hangs in there with them. And they have gone 12-5 and three years in a row. So from that standpoint, I understood it. Like, okay, yeah, 12-5, three years in a row. They're not going to panic. They're going to stay the course. Okay, I get that, you know, but at the same time, between how Jerry handles the media, right, the added extra pressure he puts on Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy's reputation was not great before he became the Dallas Cowboys. When he took over in 2020, it was a myriad of bad coaching decisions and management of the football game, followed by a wild card loss when they felt like they should have won in the 49ers with bad clock management and ending the end of the game. Right. So that's where I get back into, you know, the locker room itself and the way Jerry has talked, the way the last three seasons have fizzled out and it's one and three in the playoffs and, you know, the locker room believing in Mike McCarthy and where he can actually bring them. Uh, that's where I did not understand where this was all going to go or, or what would happen here. But, you know, it was one of those yesterday when I heard it was like surprised, but not surprised, I guess, is, is really where my head was at. I was really surprised because I thought there was a greater degree of self-awareness as it relates to the impact of the messages being sent by Jerry Jones to the world and the expectations it was creating. He created an expectation among the fan base and made no effort to push back against it. That's the key. That's why PR is so important. you got to have a great PR director. you got to have somebody in your building that is able to come to you and say, look, if this is what you believe, this is what we need to be doing to get other people to realize that's what you believe. Because right now, what we have gathered, see, you can't just be 
to be a great PR staff with an NFL team, you can't just wait for someone to tell you this is the press release we're sending out. This is the message we're sending. You have to be very proactive in looking at what the mood is out there, looking at what the statements are, what the people in the media are saying. And there's always something being said about the Cowboys, and you have to figure out a strategy for dealing with that, dealing with those expectations that are being created. And if you feel like you need to push back against them, you better push back against them. It can't be this stunning out of the blue, oh, Mike McCarthy is staying three days later. Three well, days. M- maybe it was like Jerry a Jones, hot poker thing that you said last week. You did bring that up when you heard me being annoyed by it, and we were kind of. You said maybe he was, maybe he's doing this like a little hot poker to get him on edge, you know, before the playoff game and all that. Again, I think it's the wrong message. It's the wrong message to send to his football team. But maybe that's why he kind of made the comments he did after week 18 and did that, thinking that eh, maybe if I put Mike McCarthy on edge, the coaching staff on edge a little bit, it'll make them a little edgier during the week and they'll prepare a little harder and come up with a few different wrinkles to win the football game. I don't know, but I'm with you. It's mixed messaging and, and a little all over the place. I wonder how close it was. I wonder what happened behind the scenes. Yeah. I wonder if Jerry Jones, the next time he's on 105.3, the fan in Dallas, I wonder if he'll get into conversations they have with Mike McCarthy, what Mike McCarthy might have said to get him to believe that Mike McCarthy should stay or whether this was the plan all along. I will put the red-hot poker on him, but I'm not going to do anything about it if we lose this game. I'm not going to fire him with time left on his contract. And I want to go there for a second. Okay. I'd hate to think that this is as simple as Jerry Jones yet again living up to his reputation of a guy who doesn't want to pay people to not work. That's the one thing he's got in common with Mike Brown. The one and only one thing he's got in common with Mike Brown, the owner of the Bengals, because they fought for years about the failure of the Bengals to try to, you know, modernize the business and capitalize on revenue opportunities. And for years and years, there was no naming rights sold on the stadium until the past couple of years. But The one thing that the Bengals won't do or hate to do is fire a coach with time left on his contract. Could it be as simple as Jerry doesn't want to pay Mike McCarthy to not work and then pay another coach to come in and do the job, regardless of the fact that he's got a $225 million super yacht, regardless of all the money the team is making? Is he just – and we see people like that who are cheap about dumb things. I mean, I'm cheap about really dumb, stupid things that shouldn't matter, but I'm cheap about it just to be cheap about it. Just it's a matter of principle. As a matter of principle, does Jerry Jones not want to pay Mike McCarthy to go home and do nothing for a year? Now, let me throw a curveball onto that. There's a widespread belief Dan Quinn's the next coach of the Cowboys when Mike McCarthy's done period end of statement he's the guy Shereen right. Williams believes it Jason Garrett believes sure, it a lot of Dan people Quinn's do. next yeah what if there's already one of these Gerard Mayo Jim Mora Jim Caldwell Eric DaCosta contracts in place to make Dan Quinn the successor to Mike McCarthy is that the thing that they've done to get Dan Quinn to not leave He's been promised the job in writing when the time comes to move on from Mike McCarthy, Dan Quinn automatically becomes the head coach. I mention that because if you are going to move on from McCarthy and not 
make Dan Quinn the next coach. Not only do you have to pay McCarthy to go away and not work for you, you got to pay Quinn to go away and not work for you. So you're looking at two buyouts, and the terms of the Quinn buyout are reduced to writing in the contract that was negotiated if there is one. That's the problem. They allow teams to do these contracts that create a succession plan in advance, and there's no requirement of any transparency whatsoever. We just find out when we find out. But, Chris, that would go a long way toward explaining why they didn't do it because if you have a succession plan already in place, the last thing you're doing is elevating Dan Quinn after he gave up 48 points against the Packers. So you got to pay McCarthy to go away. You got to pay Dan Quinn to go away. Then you got to pay somebody else to come take over. I ain't paying all that money. All these people do not work. That was more Ross Perot than Jerry Jones. But <laughs> they know who we mean. I, I yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. One Dan Quinn is out there going on head coaching interviews. I feel like that's another one where. You know, if there was already something in writing about him taking it over, I feel like that would get out there, that you'd hear that. He wouldn't be able to keep his mouth shut. He would have told a few people, hey, I'm, I got in the contract. I take over after McCarthy. I feel like we'd know that. No, maybe not. I don't know, right? So, well, I hear you, and we know Jerry, like you said, yeah, he doesn't want to pay people not to work, and if, if that is the case, then, then yeah, I can understand that. I can. You know, the whole thing about Mike McCarthy paying him not to work, you know, again, you said it right. It's a guy that seems willing to spend money on a lot of things to help his organization. You know, I would hope that if he had a better option out there or something that he thought was better out there to coach his football team, that money like that would be a drop in the bucket for where he wants to go ultimately with his goals, which is the Super Bowl. Or... Maybe Mike McCarthy just came in finally and just said, hey, dude, or hey, Jerry, right? We're 12 and 5. Why did you tell people you think we should go to the Super Bowl? Why? Like, what? why did you tell people you think this was the best chance you had of all, all those years? Wh like, what? What on our team told you that we were in the class of the Ravens or the 49ers. In fact, and Jerry, let me remind you, you built the team. So let's just make this clear, Jerry. So I'm 12 and 5, but you tell me, who's a good defensive tackle on our team, Jerry? In fact, who can you name in the front seven other than Micah Parsons, like the normal fan? Can, can, and we'd, oh, Demarcus Lawrence, I think if you asked a normal fan, they'd go, eh, 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 uh, I, you're right, I don't know another person in the front seven of the Dallas Cowboys. Who's their safeties, Joe off the street? Uh, it, it, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Because they're average. Their middle linebackers are way below average. They're, their defensive line is good, we know that. But again, when you compare it to the other teams that we talk about that are great defensive lines, we can rattle off names across the defense. You can't do that with the Dallas Cowboys. It's Michael Parsons. It's Deron Bland, right? We know Stephon Gilmore a little bit because he's been around, but he's not like a superstar anymore. And then it's Demarcus Lawrence. So what about that, Jerry, says we should go to the Super Bowl? And then let me get to the offensive side of the ball, Jerry. Hey, the offensive line, it's good. It's top 10-ish, but I think that's about where it is. And then it's CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Cooks. It's a good group there. But, like, again, I would emphasize to Jerry, if I'm Mike McCarthy, like, wh where the hell does that say we should be 16-1 and one and going to the Super Bowl, right? So 
You know, maybe that's what happened too. Maybe he had a real talk with Jerry and like laid it out there a little bit and go, we've got 12 and five. We've done pretty good. I've coached pretty good. And this team ain't a Super Bowl football team. When you go position by position compared to the 49ers, the Ravens, right? The Cowboy, I mean, not the Cowboys, the Eagles, we get into the Chiefs. You're going to go, well, we like more of those guys on those teams than the Dallas Cowboys. And maybe that realization came to, came to fruition too for Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy. But they've still gone 12 and five, three straight years in the regular season. There's a disconnect between regular season performance yeah. and postseason performance. Yeah. We talk about this all the time. It gets more intense. There's a greater importance placed upon yeah. self-scout. Right. And, and they don't and seem to do that. Applying an okie doke to somebody, Agreed. having a formation that you've used all right. year long, and this is what we do out of this formation. And now in the playoffs, we're going to take that look that we've put on film all year long and, oh, we're going to do something different. Right. Because and they don't do that. Either we planned it all along yeah. or we've spotted it in our own evaluation of what we do. I just don't get the sense that with McCarthy, there is that high level attention to. Detail. I go back to the exit they made from the playoffs a couple of years ago. The the quarterback draw that failed to take into account the fact that the umpire has to teleport through the quarterback and the center to touch right, the ball. Right, in 2021. Wild card game, right. Whatever that ridiculous play was last year with Ezekiel Elliott playing center, what was that? Just throw a Hail Mary or a traditional hook and ladder. What was that? That thing never even got going. Ezekiel Elliott's last play with the Cowboys consisted of him being blown up while he played center for that ridiculous play that went with a pass to Cavante Turpin that before he could do anything with it, he was he was hit as aggressively and violently as Ezekiel Elliott was. So at least this year there wasn't anything at the end of the game that you could say, what the hell was Mike McCarthy thinking because it was 27 nothing before people even settled in on their Barca loungers with their beer and their pretzels to watch the freaking game. Yeah. I just, yeah, I don't understand. And, you know, I go, I go back to this sneaking suspicion I have. And to use the quote from Jerry Jones in his training camp press conference from late July of 2012, I've been here when it was glory hole days, and I've been here when it wasn't. And having said that, I want me some glory hole. That's his exact quote. Right. I just wonder. I just wonder whether it's all bull crap. I wonder whether it's all because you're saying if you want like, glory hole, that he would have made this move because this 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 move does not consist of getting that glory that he wants. That's what yes. you're saying, right? Yes. Right. I hear you. I don't see the path to a Super Bowl championship with Mike McCarthy as the head coach, and I don't think Jerry Jones does. I hear but, you. I would but question whether guys in the locker room see that path too. I hear you, Mike. I hear you. There's a path every year to money, 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 money. And that's the key, and that's the disconnect, and that's the thing that fans don't want to hear. They don't want to hear that football is a business. Sorry, it's a business. And even though only one team gets to hold up the trophy at the end of the year, they're all winners. They're all winners. Remember that episode of Seinfeld when they go to the apartment and they're running the New York Marathon and the woman who lives in the apartment is yelling, you're all winners, you're all winners. They're all winners. They're all winners. Even the Panthers this year. Now, I truly believe David Tepper is tormented. I don't think it's an act when he throws a drink on somebody. But they're all winners. And the difference is Jones has his three Super Bowl championships. He's got his Hall of Fame jacket. 
And and it would be sad if he truly is tormented by this because he's in his 80s. Enjoy your golden years. Enjoy your super yacht. Enjoy your life. Don't get tormented over a football game where the margins are so tight and it's a, a call here, a play there, a, a, a fumble here, an interception there, and it changes the outcome of a whole season. So I just – I'm – I'm really even more suspicious than I've ever been that it's all a bunch of crap. And he's just trying to make sure that Cowboys fans are passionate and tormented and willing to give him their money. Well, that that's what it all comes. Down I, to. I hear you. I don't think it's all a bunch of crap, but I will. Where I'll piggyback on with you is that I think he wants it both ways. He, he wants it both ways. And the football gods are kind of saying like, Hey, you know, you got to give up a little power or back the hell off here if you want your ultimate football glory hole, right? That, that's, that's to me a little bit. He wants to, yeah, not pay somebody for not working, right? Keep a coach that, yes, has been con- consistently good, but we're not going to say great, right? And then ultimately, what's the thing, too? He's got total control, and he can boss everybody around and be the puppet master, and I think that's probably the number one thing that's most important to Jerry Jones. It's why you, me, uh, guys like Jerry, uh, like Jason Garrett, all questioned like, hey, Belichick and Jerry Jones, like from a football perspective, sounds good. But can the egos be checked out the door, especially by Jerry, who wants to act like he knows everything and knows how to run the football team that way? And again, I don't think he's willing to make those sacrifices. I don't. So I think coupled with some of the things that we've talked about, where they are as a team, right, trying to find that coach where it's like, oh, wait, this guy's a good coach, but he's also going to be able to be micromanaged by me is not all that easy, right? A guy like Mike McCarthy, I think, hey, he was desperate to get a job, wanted to get back in the game. Okay, I'll do it. It's the Dallas Cowboys, sure, right? But, you know, I think all the things you're talking about uh, are in play here. And I think the other thing that's in play is that Jerry keeps his power. That's, to me, the number one thing he's worried about. And I think that's what we all talk about and think about here, right? And then he's also, I think, being led into, hey, Mike McCarthy went to the Super Bowl before. He was good in Green Bay. Look at that. He can still do that. But I come to I'll like have Aaron Rodgers. Well, boom, that's where I come to. And if you, you know, I know you don't watch my podcast, but yesterday I broke down my podcast and talked about the things you said. I mean, the things, the reasons I picked or said Green Bay could upset Dallas last week. Joe Barry will know this basic West Coast BS offense. Oh, this guy runs a slant. This guy runs a flat. Oh, this guy runs a slant. The other guy runs a slant. I mean, it's so basic that to your point, there's no X's and O's great advantage ever given to his football team where we watch Lafleur in the same game, right? Got nine million tricks, a zig for your zag. I self-scouted myself. I got something new I drew up in the dirt because I know you guys know I might know you might know what I'm going to do. And that's what I think you're talking about with Mike McCarthy. And I think, yes, to your point, that's where I was going, is where I would doubt whether it could ever get to the promised land of the Super Bowl. It's just because, hey, he won a Super Bowl. I get that. It's, he won one Super Bowl with the greatest quarterback of all time, and he went on the greatest tear we've ever seen by a quarterback go on in the playoffs to win the Super Bowl. I mean, let's not forget that. 
It was literally like, hey, organization, jump on my back. I'm going to run around and throw lasers everywhere, and we'll go to the Super Bowl. And he did it for like four straight weeks. But other than that, it's always ended in what you talked about. Wait, we're better than them, and we lost to the Seattle in the NFC Championship game or the Giants at home the next year after the Super Bowl. And that's where... You know, it's hard for guys like me to get totally behind Mike McCarthy because those are some of the things I certainly question with my football knowledge and being around the league and people like that for a long time. Did you know Bridgestone developed a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials? Making a difference today for future generations. That's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. Around any corner... Within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Yeah, I get a lot of pushback to why are you criticizing Mike McCarthy, but you always defend Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin didn't have Aaron Rodgers. That's 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 the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth argument. All due respect to Ben Roethlisberger, Ben Roethlisberger is no Aaron Rodgers. It's not even close. No, it's and, light years. And he went to two Super Bowls with Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, he went to two of them. I mean, so you got that as well. Let alone he was in a conference where. Yeah, he had a deal with the greatest dynasty in the history of football uh, as well. So there's there's some differences there uh, that I would totally agree with you. And it's about what you you're like what you're saying, maximizing the potential of your football team. And that I think that's where you know Mike McCarthy has maybe fell flat a few times. When, and I think that's why Jerry Jones was frustrated last year or in 2021 with the quarterback draw play because he was going wait. You know, that was a year we were at home. We played really good. The 49ers barely got in the playoffs, and we should have and we didn't. And that's the reason I think, you know, we all have a little bit of a sour taste in our mouth about Mike McCarthy. That's why I would love to know what the conversations sounded like in the aftermath of this game. If there wasn't already a decision made that we're sticking with Mike McCarthy no matter what, and we're just going to let him twist a little bit to get him to work a little harder to try to win the playoff game. Oh, well, he didn't. So what? We've already decided to keep him. But if there was any uncertainty, like what did they do? What did they evaluate? What questions did they ask? What information did they gather? What research did they do to come to their final conclusion that Mike McCarthy deserves to stay? That's what I would love to know because I would want – And I spent a lot of time thinking this week, should Mike McCarthy stay, should he not stay? And I was reminded of 
some of the reporting that was done after he left Green Bay, and there was the Tyler Dunn reporting about Friday afternoons. He disappeared to go get a massage. Like, what the hell are you doing? If that's even true, I have no reason to dispute the reporting. But, like, you're getting a massage two days before the game when there's still work that needs to be done? Like, are you just relying upon your system, your offense, without an effort to get ahead of what the defense is going to do? Because one thing I've learned – over the past 22, 23 years, Chris, is, and you lived it for a little while in New England, the best of the best bust their asses all the time. Yeah. Bill Belichick's getting a massage, and if he is, he's watching film while right. he's doing it. Right. Right. Well, yes, there's a, there's a, hey, there's a line of, hey, this is what we do, and we're going to do it well, and that's who we are, right? And listen, you always want to color within those lines, but- that's the problem. To me, is Mike McCarthy, Dan Quinn, you can throw that in there too, is that's a little bit what they are. And that's what, when we were watching the game and we got all the angles in our viewing room, you heard me yelling, look, they knew Dallas was going to be in this. They knew the coverage. They knew Dallas was going to overplay this because teams do this to them all the time. So Dallas would overplay it and they had the zig or the zag off of it, right? They're a little bit like that, a little too much. You know, that's why I say the basic West Coast stuff, right? It's like still Bill Walsh, 1988, which is cool. But Bill Walsh, it was still a new thing in the 80s and all that. Not everybody had caught on. Now there's tons of people that do it. Like I've told you, you know, guys like Joe Barry, the D coordinator of the Packers, they they know the offense almost as good as some of the offensive coordinators that are running the West Coast. So there's a little bit of like, hey, we're just going to do what we do and we're going to play that way. And to your point, that's just not what the great teams in history for the most part have done. It's not. The Patriots, absolutely not. Rooted in Bill Parcells and what my dad grew up in and played in, right? No, that's where they were masterful. That's, hey, we run this play all year. We're really good at it. We're, oh, we got in the playoffs. Oh, we got like three fakes off that play. Watch out. You're going to overplay that play that we've been dominated all year for. Now we're going to screw you over with seven wrinkles off of it, right? And that's what Belichick and Brady were amazing at. That's what Shanahan's amazing at right now. I think if we really broke down all the great coaches and great little runs for the most part, they had what you're talking about. They weren't, well, we're just going to do what we do and we're going to go out there. That's that works sometimes when you have the best team and you're like you built an unbelievable roster, right? There's some of that, I understand that. But for the most part, no, you got to give your team some tricks and and give them some schematical advantages so they can therefore show you all their talents instead of like, you know, playing a game where it's like the other team knows what they're going to do all the time and it's hard to be free and and play that way and and look good, I guess is what I'm trying to say there. The one post-game comment from Mike McCarthy that would have prompted me to make the decision to move on if I was in the position to make that decision was his statement that I don't think anybody saw this coming. Remember we talked about that on Monday? Yeah. Like, how in the F-K does the head coach of an NFL team not recognize anyone can beat you any day? You have to envision it coming in order to avoid it. I never saw a train coming down the tracks. Well, if you had, you would have thought to maybe get off the damn tracks. So how do you not imagine? It's a failure of imagination. How do you not imagine the ways that the Packers could come in and beat you? How are you not laying awake in bed, worrying and obsessing over 
how this this game that feels like it should be a gift-wrapped win for the Cowboys, how could it go sideways? How could it start? How could it continue? Gee, what if they win the toss and elect to receive and have a great script of plays ready to go to go right down the field and score? And they're up 7-0 instead of us up 7-0 because we know how it goes. Once we're up 7-0 at home, then we're up 14-0 at home, then it's unleash Micah Parsons and it's night-night game over. If they can avoid that, if they can turn the tables on us, man, we may have a problem here. I mean, he got caught as flat-footed as any stereotypical, overly confident fan who just thinks my team is going to beat the hell out of your team because my team's better than your team. When he said those words, I don't think anybody saw this coming. That, that's the centerpiece of my discussion I hear you. with Mike I McCarthy hear you. as to why he should keep his job. Why the hell didn't you think this? Why, do you, why didn't you see this coming? Why didn't you envision right. a way that the Packers right. could jump on top of us early and we'd have to turn the tables on them right. and that they could actually win this game? How did you not see this coming, Mike McCarthy? Yeah, I hear you. If dumbass Chris Sims saw it and said this could be the upset, why, why couldn't he see it, right? I mean, to, to your point. And, yeah, I think there was a little bit of that bravado and confidence and, like, hey, we're the Cowboys and, you know, this is the Green Bay Packers and they're, they're just getting going again. I, I think there's a little bit of that, too. The game planning would show me that, like, the way it was. Green Bay came in there ready for a fight and knew they had to do some things, uh, you know, maybe outside the box again to win the football game. But, yeah, Dallas – I, I do think just showed up and said, well, we're just going to do what we do, and that'll be good enough. And Green Bay, and where they failed to, I think, evaluate is just the fact of, I think they, oh, it's Jordan Love. He's, you know, he's not ready for this. It's a young football team. They're not seasoned yet. Yeah, they're a young football team. In fact, they're the youngest in football. Yeah, but they're super talented. Like, the talent is not the issue in Green Bay. And that's when you see talent like that. I heard Shanahan say something this week. Like, he wasn't surprised. You know, he'd been looking at the Packers. He understood that they could upset the Dallas Cowboys. Because you go through Green Bay's roster and what Gutenkoos has done there and all that, it's tremendous. It's, it's, it's all like, oh, I, if this guy had a little more experience, I would definitely take him over the Cowboys guy, right? I mean, I think through and through, their roster is probably better. It's just younger and not battle-tested and seasoned and matured yet. But, yeah, from that standpoint, that's where they should have been a little scared, and that's where they should have been like, hey, you know, we got to have a few wrinkles. Maybe i got to do a trick play to get us jump-started, whatever it may be. Have those things. Again, I always know, you know, WWBD, what would Belichick do, right? And how many times did we see Belichick in a big divisional playoff game where, ooh, he knew that team was coming in red hot, ready to go, we're going to beat the Patriots, and he'd throw a few trick plays out there, right, to go, hey, hey, slow your roll, you think you know everything we're going to do. And those are things, again, that we never see from Mike McCarthy. I don't ever go, ooh, whoa, this is a cool play. Whoa, I've never seen this before. And I think that's, you know, part of the problem there. Jerry's building the roster, not all as good as everybody thinks. Mike calling the plays, not as all good as everybody thinks. That's how I would look at it. One last wrinkle relating to what might have happened behind the scenes that we don't know about. Yeah. And might never know about. Right. Dak Prescott made the comment after the loss on Sunday that if Mike McCarthy is uh. on the hot seat, I should be on the hot seat too. 
They desperately need Dak to extend his contract after the season. He has so much power over the Cowboys going into this offseason. One of the best developments for the Cowboys this year is that Dak had a really great season because it makes it easier for them to give him a market-level contract because he was going to get one anyway. When you go into the last year of a contract with a $59-plus million cap number and the team needs you to chop that thing down and all you have to say is, I'm just going to honor my contract. I'm not interested in doing any type of extension. You really put them in a tough spot. And I just at least wondered, was there a power play made behind the scenes by Dak saying, hey, if there's a new coach here, I'm just going to finish my contract and I'll become a free agent next year and I'll go somewhere else. I'll go wherever Mike McCarthy ends up as an offensive coordinator or as a head coach. I'm not going to stick around for somebody else, especially if it's Bill Belichick. You know, we, we were all fascinated by the prospect of Belichick coming in and whipping the Cowboys up, you know, like his great, this well-stocked kitchen, I'm going to make this meal, I'm going to turn this team into a Super Bowl winner. It's not as easy as it sounds on the guys in the locker room. You may have some Cowboys players who really aren't interested in the Patriot way, and I wonder if any of those rumblings made their way up to Jerry Jones. And if Dak Prescott basically said, there's all this talk about Bill Belichick, I'm not interested in that. And if you want me to do a new contract, you better think about that before you make your decision. Again, it's not anything that anyone is going to come out and say, but something happened between Sunday and Wednesday to lead to last night's result. And when you look at the cap number, when you look at what Dak said, I think it's at least worth wondering what the quarterback, the most important player on the team, thought about this and said about this. Yeah, I hear you there. It, it is it is interesting. He came out and stumped pretty hard, right, for for Mike McCarthy. I get that, you know. And also, too, yeah, with, with those type of situations, you got just got to be careful that, yeah, self-interest is involved there. You know, Dak Prescott, yeah, he's had some good years here with Mike McCarthy, and he's going, wait, I got, I'm, I'm the man. You bring in a new coach, they might evaluate me a different way. They might start telling the owner, hey, he's not as good as you think he is. I think we could be, you know, fine. So, yeah, he's protective of his territory that way. You know, anytime a coaching change is made like that, it, it worries a player. It worries a player like Dak Prescott, who, yeah, is being paid a ton of money and hasn't necessarily in – you know, the public size brought the team where it should be for what he's being paid. And so, therefore, yeah, that's a dicey situation for a player like that. And I can understand him being protective of his territory. I don't know. I don't know how much power, say, he has there. It's certainly a powerful position he is in. There's no doubt about that, Mike. I, I agree with you there. I would. But they got to get that situation figured out. They really do. And Dak Prescott, when it comes time to get it figured out too, you know, I, I, I do think it's like don't, don't try to hold the Cowboys over a barrel for every last penny. I don't. You know, again, I think that's part of the why Dak Prescott's also so criticized all the time because of what he's paid, how he drew a line in the concrete last time and wanted that, you know, that big last year on the contract and all these issues that went along with it. But that also puts a spotlight on you, and everybody goes, well, damn, oh, Dak Prescott getting all this money. He can't win the big games, you know. He's not Mahomes. He's not Allen. He's put extra pressure on himself that way, you know. So this is where you know, it's going to be interesting to where they can kind of thread the needle in this little pay Dak Prescott big money, but what's good for the team and what makes sense, you know, going forward. I'm going to be interested to see how that shakes out. 
You got C.D. Lamb, who wants his contract. You got Michael Parsons, who is now eligible for a new contract. You got to deal with the X cap number and figure out how much you're going to pay him. They got some tough issues to figure out to hold the nucleus of the team together. And as you said, they got work to do to improve the rest of the roster if they truly hope to achieve Jerry Jones' 28-year quest for glory hold. Let's go ahead and take a break. I'm calling an audible here. We're going to talk Whoa. about what's going on in Philadelphia. But Blue 48. About 40 minutes Blue 48. Check, check, check. I'm, I'm calling alert, an audible. Alert, alert, alert. I might get in trouble with the coach. Black 58 we're take Lexus. a break. Black 58 And when Lexus. we come back, <laughs> now that we've seen the smoke rise in Dallas, we're waiting for the smoke, white, black, green, whatever, in Philadelphia. What's up with Nick Sirianni and the Eagles? We'll do that next year on PFT Live. While no one knows what tomorrow may bring, Bridgestone is working toward a more positive outlook. With innovations like developing a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials. It's just one of the many ways Bridgestone is making a difference today. For generations to come. Because that's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.